Hey, just a disclaimer, some of the topics I discuss in this episode today may be triggering to some people and include talk about depression, suicide, and suicidal ideation. We are going to include links below on resources to find support if you or a loved one need it. The lesson that was taught was one day, as a woman, you're gonna grow up, meet a man, serve the man, provide him with children and babies. And that was their intro to the university, was to teach women how to serve men. And I was like, Hi everyone, welcome back to Closet Talk. For these first six episodes or chapters, I've been thinking about my queer identity journey from elementary school all the way up to present day. And today we are getting into the college episode and there is a lot to cover. I'm going to be talking about the beginning steps of exploring my gender, feeling the pressure to conform and discovering social media for the very first time. But first I'm here to intro the new addition to the queer hall of fame, and that is Miss Marie into the Queer Hall of Fame for multiple reasons. And I think we all know the main reason is because back in I would say 2020 is the first time that I heard about asking somebody if they listened to Girl in Red. And I think I was introed to that because there was this one song of hers that went super viral and it was, we fell in love in October. And it's a song about just a girl falling in love with a girl in October. And it's still every single year becomes a thing that every single like queer woman who's not in a relationship posts a video to this song. And it's like, if I don't fall in love in October, <laughs> everyone is gonna feel my wrath because I won't be able to use this song. And I think that was my first experience like with a queer artist that it was so commonly referenced to being a question about if you listen to them. like. I had never heard of somebody being like, oh, do you listen to Hailey Kyoko? That was more of like a monumental moment for like visual effects on YouTube, just like that, that music video. But this was the first time I'd ever heard of an artist being like, do you listen to Girl in Red? And personally, I always got way too afraid to ask that question, but I do remember there was this one time, and this is why this artist is so important to me, because I did listen to her music like back in the day before I really understood the queer reference. And I was hanging out with my friend who was a straight person and knew the trend better than I did at that point. And I was like, okay, this is impressive. The fact that you know this reference and I don't. And we were just going through our Spotify and I was really anxious because anyone who looks at my Spotify should be like put down or something because it is just like old Justin Bieber and Pitbull. My music taste back then was really interesting. And I remember I had a few Girl in Red songs saved and I was like, oh my gosh, finally, maybe an artist this person doesn't know. And so I go, oh my gosh, do you listen to Girl in Red? And like, they completely like stopped what they were doing, looked at me and was like, Maddie, like, I like men. And I was like, oh, <laughs> I don't, but like, what do you mean? And they were like, are you asking if I'm gay? I was like, no, I'm asking if you listen to Girl in Red. And they were like, yeah, that's like, it's like a gay question. I was like, what do you mean? And so they had to explain to me that it was a queer trend. And so after that, it was kind of our inside joke, like, do you listen to Girl in Red? And they did actually, for the record, listen to Girl in Red. But I think that moment for me was like, oh, this is so cool. This is like music. I love music, obviously. I think a lot of people do. But this was the first experience where I was like, oh my gosh, I can reference like an artist and have it be a queer reference. And also, I got to see her at Coachella, so that was really exciting. But yeah, 
10 out of 10 girl in red. You are in the Queer Hall of Fame because you are the first queer artist I ever heard of as people's coming out stories, I think. Like, do you listen to Girl in Red became just the opener to the are you gay question in a very subtle way that I had never heard before. 10 out of 10, by the way. Music is fantastic. Congratulations on your name being Marie. I had no idea it was that. If you don't know the backstory of Girl in Red, Girl in Red is a queer artist named Marie Olven. I hope I'm saying that right. She is from Norway and started publishing music on SoundCloud in 2015 related to queer romance and mental health. When I first heard of Girl in Red, I was already out. There was no questions about that. But it was when I was first going back and looking at like queer history overall, it felt like I was sitting myself down and like teaching myself the lessons of like, watching the YouTube coming out stories that happened before Elle Mills and like the first ones. And then I had never really listened to gay music before besides like Mary Lambert and the like, she keeps me warm. <laughs> that was my only experience with gay music. And I remember that song being on the radio and my mom making us like change it. She was like, what is this? I was like, I don't know, but I'm digging it. So that was like the only thing that I heard before Girl in Red. Oh, and Haley Kyoko. Those are it, and then it was Girl in Red, but that was so much more impactful in terms of just the question. I'd never heard of an artist having a question like that before. So Marie, AKA Girl in Red, you have made it into the Queer Hall of Fame because of the forever iconic question of, do you listen to Girl in Red? As an inquisitive way of questioning somebody's identity. And last episode ended on my high school experience and leaving high school in my first successful queer relationship, I would call it, in terms of my family knowing, my peers knowing, you know, being in like a good environment to leave and go to college with this relationship in hand. But my experience in college was actually the first time in my life I was able to experience the world, period. I did not get a phone until the summer going into college that had like full access to the internet. I had one before, but it didn't have Safari or YouTube. I wasn't allowed to have Instagram or Snapchat, any of that. So I spent the summer going into my college experience, actually working at Target and Snapchatting people. And I remember the first like concept I had of Snapchat was that it was so weird. I didn't like it at all. It was like, why do I need to send you a picture of my face? It really does not make sense to me. And then I started like figuring out you could put the text on the screen because <laughs> my girlfriend was like, why don't you like, I don't know, send me cute messages. I didn't figure out until this year, like two months ago, that you could save things in the chat, by the way, like on Snapchat, somebody did it to me and I was like, what is this wizardry? But anyway, that was my first experience like having social media. I posted on Instagram, I think five times in one day because I didn't know that was not normal because I got it and I was like, well, I went to a, a baseball game and I went to like out to Taco Bell and I took a picture of my tacos and like, I was just really learning how to use social media. And so when I went to college, I had already made like a few connections with people through social media because there was this one page on Instagram that had like, if you're going to this university in 2020, I think it was, yeah, 2018, 2019, follow this. So I met a bunch of people through there. But when I got to college and my, like, my parents left, I had this moment with myself. It was like, I thought I was gonna be so much more sad than I was. Not to say that I like didn't miss my parents or anything, 
But they moved me in and I went to this like early orientation excursion, I would call it. We did like community service for four days before going into school. And it was just like an earlier way to meet people. And during that time, I realized I could kind of say and be whoever I wanted to be without judgment from my family or the conservative peers that I went to high school with. And it really felt like a safe environment for me to first be able to come out. And I think I always say that my coming out experience was kind of taken away from me. And I mean that in the very first stages of telling people that you're gay, but I still looked very feminine. I still presented very feminine. And so I had my very first opportunity to come out to people in college. When I first started like coming out to people in college, it was that first little group that I went to this little I think it was called the service plunge. It was like this little orientation group or pre-orientation group that I went and did community service with for like four days before actually moving into the dorm. And when I moved into the dorm, I realized my college was gonna be a little bit different because I was moving in and I remember carrying like my little shower caddy up the stairs and like walking by a full priest, like in full priest uniform. And I was like, oh, like they're scattered everywhere because it was a private Catholic university. And I remember we actually had this one brother who would like rollerblade around campus and like just do, be doing like crazy rollerblading parkour around campus in his like clergy uniform. Yeah, he was he was pretty cool though. He was a pretty cool one. But I realized like I wasn't gonna have a pretty normal college experience. There were no fraternities, no sororities. And it was every class was kind of, Catholic coded like there was the Jesus in every single room the mass hall in every single dorm and just lessons that were kind of taught in these undertones that had these Catholic upbringing surroundings I guess and I knew I probably wasn't in the right place prior to day one of school because we went to mass it was like something that you had to do as a family to intro you to the school it was like this huge gathering on sunday in the school's actually like basketball auditorium i don't know if that's basketball i don't know it's where the basketball courts were i'm not really a sports person but it was filled to the brim with like families and students and teachers and everyone and the lesson that was taught in that mass was that one day as a woman, you're gonna grow up, you're gonna meet a man, you're gonna serve the man, provide him with children and babies, and you're gonna clean the house, and then that man is gonna provide for the family and have a job, and that's what like their goal was. That was their intro to the university, was to teach women how to serve men. And I was like, I don't think this is for me, but it was like the number three, I think, nursing school in the West Coast. So I was like, I have to be here. Like they have an incredible nursing program. I'm just gonna like ignore all of this and let it, let it slide, you know what I mean? So I move into the dorm and I had this moment after my parents left where I was sitting on my phone and my mom, I remember before she dropped me off, she took my phone and kind of unlocked it, like took off all the parental restraints. I think I was 17 at the time. And I was laying in bed, like wide awake. I just started to like Google questions that I had always had about life, like really existential questions. And I realized I was getting all these like Reddit thread answers and I was like, oh my gosh, the internet is a very massive place and you can look up anything you wanted to. And I think that very first night triggered something in me 
that was like made me realize that I had the entire world at my fingertips. And then I went to school on the first day. My classes were normal, but I just always had this itch to like get back on my phone and just keep asking questions. And then I got used to Snapchat after the first like few days of like really Snapchatting people for no reason. And I did this thing where my brain, I think after suppressing all this hyper masculinity throughout my entire life, it just exploded within days of finally being on my own and able to express my way myself in ways I had never been able to before. Like I decided on day two, I'm gonna cut my hair. I decided on day three, I'm gonna go out and buy a suit. I'm gonna order myself like a tie off Amazon. I'm gonna change my name entirely and experiment with they, them, and he, him pronouns. And I was so excited too. I was like, I'm finally becoming who I've always wanted to become. This is so exciting. And then I get everything kind of situated to cut my hair. And I remember, I think it was three days before my 18th birthday, I had my first encounter with alcohol. It was the first week of being at school. And I had already had such a good week of like coming out to people who were generally supportive, like really like quote unquote close friends that I met like within the first week. I actually think it was just one person or two people, but they were really supportive of me. And I was like, this is so exciting. They had this like on-campus party that every like freshman went to. It was like the freshman thing. And I didn't really want to go for some reason. I don't know. I was kind of feeling antisocial that day. And so one friend that I met during that pre-orientation retreat was like, let's go to a party. And I was like, sure, let's go to a party. And nobody had ever prompted me about alcohol. I had zero experience drinking before. And so I went into this dorm room and I remember walking in and drinking vodka out of like a Gatorade water bottle and was like, this is horrible. It tastes bad. I feel weird, but people kind of kept handing me alcohol. And I was like, all right, this is just what you do in college. This is just what happens. And then I got so drunk. These two poor girls had to physically carry me across campus and like put me to bed. Like I had to walk by my RAs and my hall director fully looking like a corpse in these girls' arms. And they put me in bed. And I remember I had like my first ever experience just feeling like the entire world was spinning around me. And my roommate walks in right after that. I just start talking to her about everything that I was holding inside because I had never like drank before. I didn't know I was gonna be like, let me tell you my deepest, darkest secrets because apparently I'm an emotional drunk. And so I start telling this girl about how I don't feel a certain way about my body and my gender and my identity. And you could tell that she was not into this conversation. She was like, you need to go to bed. I need to go to bed. We need to go to bed. So I was like, I'm so glad I have a roommate who understands. <laughs> and I think the very next day I got an email from my hall director and this was before I cut my hair. This was before I looked any certain kind of way. And she goes, hey, your roommate brought something up that needs immediate attention. When can you meet? And I was like, well, I don't know because like tomorrow's my birthday. I kind of wanted to celebrate my birthday with my friends that I met a week and a half ago. That'd be lovely. And so the anxiety kind of got the best of me because I started to think that my roommate like reported me for drinking because they taught us like day one, like if your roommate drinks, tell on them, which is lovely. And so I thought I was got, I was gonna get busted. So I was fully prepared to like express my sorrows and apologize. But I go in to my hall director's office on my 18th birthday. 
And I sit down and I'm like ready for the drunk conversation. And she just goes, so your roommate who was sitting like right across from me, by the way, looking like the most sad person you've ever seen in your life. I was like, girl, it's really not that deep. But she goes, so your roommate has expressed to us that you're using a boy name and plural pronouns. And I think I immediately started crying, but I don't really remember. I just remember like the entire world caving in and me being like, "Uh oh, I'm like busted. I thought they were going to like call my mom like they do in middle school when you do something wrong, except they could just call her extension. They didn't have to call her number. And so we had this conversation where my hall director told me that she did not feel comfortable living with me and that gender was binary, like full on starts preaching like Catholic views in terms of gender and i just kind of sat through that conversation like slow tears streaming by my face and i remember the first words i said were my parents don't even know like this is something i'm going through on my own right now i have no idea how i really feel and i just need an environment where i can experiment and figure out who i am because i've been suppressing that my entire life and she was like well i don't feel comfortable living with somebody who uses those terms and i was like word so on my 18th birthday i moved out of my dorm and i moved in with somebody who kind of constantly smelled like weed and at the time i definitely thought weed was the equivalent of like black tar heroin i was like this is not good i'm living with a drug addict really i think now we'd like get along along really well we've like dm'd a couple times since like hey remember when we lived together that was crazy so she's cool now but yeah after i moved out on my 18th birthday Three days later, I cut off my hair. And the craziest thing about this is it was by a priest in one of my friend's dorms. And he learned how to cut hair while he was also learning how to become a priest, which is like, I enjoy the duality of that. But it turns out last year he was actually fired fired from the university. I think they're getting a little bit better, but for homophobic tweets. At around the time, he was like cutting my hair, like during that era. And so he like, buzzed the sides of my head. I finally looked like myself. And I remember having this moment where I walked from the dorm and like there were so many people there to like support me through that. But it was, I think everybody that I met on that pre-orientation retreat. And I remember walking from the first dorm where I cut my hair over to my dorm and looking at myself in the mirror and just breaking down because that was the first time I had ever really like looked at myself and saw a reflection that I somewhat recognized. And I think that's like kind of the weight of the importance of being able to express yourself. Like it didn't really matter at the time how I felt like when I dressed because I had worn suits and ties before and like stolen my dad's tie and like he taught me how to tie it and stuff. But that haircut genuinely changed the entire trajectory of my entire life because at 15, I told myself, you know what, I want short hair. And my mom said no for three years. And so this was something that had been building up inside of me for so long. And as I looked at myself in the mirror, all I could think about was that kid that would go into their room and like put all their hair up in a hat and like pretend like they looked this way. And I just had, I just stopped having to pretend. And I was finally like comfortable. And it was crazy because I probably looked ridiculous. I actually do have a picture of like what I looked like when I first cut my hair. It was horrible. It was terrible. But it taught me so much about gender. That was the defining moment in realizing like I was not a cisgendered person before even knowing the term cisgender. I went throughout my college experience 
kind of expressing all of the masculinity I had ever wanted to express through my clothes, through my hair, through my name, through my pronouns. So I kind of let myself go into this person that I always felt like on the inside, I was finally able to express on the outside. And then as time went on, I started to realize the difference between me and the university I was attending, like the overall population. And, you know, every single Monday through Wednesday, I'd be like, what are you doing at this time? My friends would be like, we're going to mass, we're going to church. I thought I could teach myself how to kind of get out because at the same time I was expressing everything I had always desired, I wasn't happy about it because I was comfortable. I had always felt the safest in uncomfortability for some reason. Is that even a word, uncomfortability? Yeah. I'd always felt the safest when I was questioning everything and I got really scared out of nowhere that I stopped questioning. And so one day I just decided to go to church. And for some reason, the church in general does a really good job of making you feel extremely welcomed right away. They kind of suck you in with all these like hugs and prayers for you. And that's what they did for me. They were like, we have a new guest today and it's Maddie. And that wasn't the name I was going by at the time, but I was like, okay, that's fine. And they were like, we're gonna pray for them. Didn't use they, them pronouns, but we're like, we're gonna pray for Maddie and the struggles that she's going through. And it kind of made me think about maybe this could change me. Maybe this could make me feel normal in the sense of fitting in. And I kind of hated how intensely I stuck out because walking around campus, I was kind of the only person that looked like me. I was the only person that used different pronouns than the ones they were born with. I was the only one that went by a different name than the one they were born with because it was a pretty small university. It was like 4,600 kids. And I started to try and convert myself because I think within a month, actually, I was attending church four times a week. I was asking for prayers to kind of change who I was. And I don't even want to say change because they instated this thing in my brain. They put it in my brain that that's always who I was meant to be. The person I was before I came to college. I would say I, was, I always wore dresses. I always painted my nails. I never brought up the fact that every time before homecoming or prom and I was in a dress and I was in full makeup and I had my nails done, I had to like lean over my sink and just cry because of how terrible it made me feel about myself. And so I went into this phase of disassociation from the real world after I think the first month of being there because we were all standing outside of church one day. I remember hearing somebody say, are you going to the protest? And I was like, what protest? And they were like, they hired somebody who funds electroconversion shock therapy for gay people to speak at the annual Red Mass, which by the way, Red Mass sounds like something straight out of The Handmaid's Tale or Black Mirror. Like that does not sound like a normal thing. What they were doing was hiring somebody to come kind of preach traditional Catholic values. And it's something that I was used to because at the end of every single mass, they would have this like pro-life meeting where they would talk about how important like babies and like continuing to live are, I guess, like the importance of pro-life in like your action, like donate to these foundations that promote 
pro-life virtues. I remember saying like, I think I might go to the protest because I'm a gay person and that's somebody who doesn't support gay people. It just makes sense. And I remember the teachers threatening us to not go. Like if you, because it was during class, they were like, if you go to this protest and it had to be a silent protest, even if you stepped on the sidewalk, it could be considered violent and you could get like arrested um, for like blocking the way of this person. But the teachers would say, if you go to this protest, you're gonna like get a zero for the day. And so they really didn't want us to support this one thing. And after that moment, I completely fell into trying to change everything about myself. And by going to church, by trying to preach these traditional Catholic values onto myself. And I fell into that depressive cycle again of feeling nothing and like not letting myself feel anything. So by the time my first year wrapped up, I was somebody I did not even recognize. I still looked a certain way. I still had the short hair. I still, you know, was funny. I'm hilarious. But there was something like this essence about myself I did not recognize. As I got into my sophomore year, I started to realize like I liked nothing about myself because I was just plopped into this environment where I thought I'm finally experiencing the world for the first time. I'm finally able to go on walks by myself for the first time. I would just go on walks and like look at nature and take pictures. And I was able to focus on everything besides what I was there to do. And that was school because I didn't have access to the world before that point. And it was, it was kind of like taking somebody in a cult and just putting them like in a Walmart. How are they supposed to know what to do? I also am super into like documentaries and stuff. So that's like actually something that happens. But I felt like after finally gaining access to the world, I wanted to hone in and figure out who I was after a year of just suffering, going to church, not questioning anything and like going up to priests and asking them to pray for me because I was so lost and confused. And then I finally went home and that was a rain check. Like that was a massive like slap back to reality because I was like looking at myself for the first time in a way I didn't recognize ever. I still looked a certain way, but that essence that I had on the outside was just so dark. And so I went back to school and realized my grades the first few semesters were so bad. Like I had no idea what I was doing. I was barely attending class because I would rather like sleep because I was depressed. I would rather like spend my time. I would go and sit in an empty church and just like pray. And I don't even know for what, like I'd just be like, hmm, something about me needs to change. Let me just, dear God, right? And so going into my sophomore year of college, I finally was like done with it. I start school and could not focus. And I know I've always had ADHD my entire life, but that was the first year I had to really self-regulate in terms of medication. I realized what Adderall does to a person with the same brain chemistry as I do, because it affects everyone differently. But I realized it helps me like stay up, focus and get my work done. And it would distract me from the outside and external pressures of figuring out who I was. And I would like, stay in the library all night and just study and not pay attention to what was going on around me emotionally at all. And the more that I did that, the more that I became numb. The number I got, the more I realized like I had no desire to kind of be here anymore. And after 
the pressures of my mom calling me every day telling me, yo, you have to get your grades in check. You have to do this. You have to do that. There was more emptiness that started to fill like every single crevice of who I was. And so I think in October, there was somebody on campus who ended their life. And I would see him around in church and we were pretty cordial towards one another. But what I didn't realize was that Catholics don't believe in suicide. And so when we had this school funeral for this boy, they were like, what an unfortunate circumstance. And I was like, no, that's not what happened. Like everybody knows he took his own life. Then I started to get to thinking and I started thinking to myself, well, if that happens to me, then everybody's just gonna think it was like this one big mistake. Like it never really was suicide. And so I decided at like, I think I was 19 at the time that I just did not wanna be here anymore. There was nothing in my brain that had the desire to continue to move forward. And so one day I'm walking around campus and I left all the notes that I wanted to on my desk in my dorm. I start like walking off campus and I got stopped by campus police. And they were like, are you Madeline? And I was like, probably, I think so. And they were like, come with me. And my friend who had access to my room, I texted her something weird, found my notes and called the campus police and they stopped me. They flew my parents out the next day. But what the university also decided to take into their hands was emailing my parents after they had called them, like, by the way, your child is also using like these pronouns, going by this name, doing this and that and like completely outed every single thing about me that I felt like I had left to tell them. And so my parents come to retrieve little Maddie and we're sitting in the office and I'll never forget this feeling of those muffled voices outside of a door. It felt like a movie where like the muffled voices like come into focus and the audio becomes really clear. I remember my mom saying to like the director of the school of nursing, I don't recognize that person. Like that's not my child. I was like, whoa. She sees it too. For some reason, my mom is always right. Like there's something about me that's just off and wrong and I need to go home and heal and figure it out. And the second that I went home, my mom sat me down and was like, okay, I want my Maddie back. Like I want that fun loving person back. What can we do? And so I went to intensive outpatient therapy for three months. And I told her, I was like, I think it's because I've never felt loved in this world by anybody but you and dad and obviously my siblings. And I was like, why is it that every environment that I step into, some part of me is immediately rejected? And I started to post on social media publicly at this time. I had no more like private accounts. And right as I had this conversation with my mom about like, I just want to feel accepted and loved by people around me. And I don't understand why that's so hard. I posted a video on TikTok and it was me physically coming out of the closet to a Panic at the Disco song. And all the comments that were like, okay, I say all as in there were like a thousand. There were 40 comments. And it was all like, this is so funny. This is so silly. This is like relatable. And I was like, whoa, there are also people like me out there that exist and feel this way. Cause it was about like finally coming out of the closet, finally doing this and I remember clicking on every single one of the profiles and they had like a little rainbow flag or like a little hashtag like WLW in their bio. And after having the conversation with my mom where I was like, hey, I wanna feel loved and supported. I was immediately given social media in the foundations of being supported. And I think that's what's so interesting about like the internet because I hear all these negative things. 
because so many people like older people when I go back home they're like aren't you aware of like the dangers of the internet I'm like yeah but I also can understand how it can save a person who feels so violently alone and I can understand where like the dangers come in but I also had never felt more accepted or loved in my entire life than I did when I posted for, for the first time and all I got in response was just love and positivity it felt like finally being able to take a deep breath. And that's when I really started to experiment with the way that I expressed myself and stopped questioning. Getting into social media, I always say that it saved my life, but it like actually did. I don't think there was like a will or a reason for me to continue being here until I posted that video and it was met with such open-mindedness. And that's a conversation that I have with my family all the time about like, when did I get my spark back? Like after I came home from school and they were like, when you started to post literally nine times every day on TikTok. And I think that part of my life will always be so fundamental in like letting go of the inability to fully question. Cause I think questioning now is a good thing. If there's something about myself that I don't understand, I kind of disregard the past habits that I had of like, all right, we're not gonna think about it. We're not gonna explore it, this is scary. We're gonna sit down, we're gonna figure it out and we're gonna talk about it because of social media. And that's also where I heard, hey, do you listen to Girl in Red? Like everywhere. That's literally when it started to happen was when I was like scrolling on my For You page. I got on the gay algorithm. I got on like the queer algorithm and I started seeing all these things about style, cuff jeans and like wearing, I don't know, button down shirts and like cuffing your sleeves and everything that had to do with expressing yourself as a queer person. And then I was finally able to express myself like the way that I had always loved and desired. And I know that a lot of you guys also have questions about your own queer identities. And you might be pretty confused when you look in the mirror and it's okay because I sometimes still am. So I would love to answer some of your questions. So this person said, I'm questioning my gender. It's okay, me too. When I read stories about trans people coming out, they almost always talk about how they've always known. I've recently started to wonder if I'm non-binary, but I definitely haven't always known. It makes me doubt that my questions are genuine because I am non-binary. Why have I only started to question it now? I've been perceived as a woman my entire life and have never seemed to have any issue with it until a couple years ago. It makes me wonder if maybe I'm just trying to fit in with my trans and non-binary friends. Yeah, so that's like exactly my life because I never questioned anything until recently and always suppressed in the past those questions that I had. And I think it also depends on the environment that you're questioning it in because you say you have a lot of trans and non-binary friends. Your queer experiences just are valid in general. Like everybody takes everything at their own pace. And no matter how recently you've started to ask questions, I think it's important that you're asking questions in general. And I was perceived as a woman for the first 18 years of my life. And then only very, very recently, like within the past six months, I'm 22, have I started to fully like identify as like a non-binary person. I don't think all trans people have always known. I had no idea. Like there was never something in me that told me that I was someone or something else until probably like 20 years old that I really started to understand the terminology and the expression of gender and what that means for different people. Those terms just weren't available for me to understand. But I think it's lovely that you have like 
trans and non-binary friends that you can probably ask questions to. I'm sure you're in an environment where you have these people that you can go to when you are starting to question a certain part of yourself. I don't think it's a problem that you've just started to question it now at all. I think it's lovely that you're being honest with yourself and you're letting yourself question because I don't think everybody always known has known. I've met people in LA that came out as gay as at like literally 64. Age is just a social construct. And this person said, hey y'all, just a quick question about being non-binary to make sure this is my community. So I'm working on figuring out my gender right now and I've settled on being gender fluid with my gender mainly being on the masculine side and very rarely being non-binary. I'm a bit nervous about trying to be active in this community because I feel masculine so often that I'm worried I would be intruding by joining y'all here. But then I heard that any gender fluidity is under the non-binary umbrella. Is that true? I don't know. I'm just like super confused right now and worried about intruding. That last sentence is the most relatable sentence I've ever read in my life. Coming from a non-binary person, of course you're welcome here. Um, but yeah, if you've just started figuring out your gender and centered, cent settled on gender fluidity, I think it's important to remember that I think human gender is always going to be fluid. You are n probably never going to always feel a certain way about yourself like my gender was super hyper feminine and super hyper masculine and now and then it was I moved to LA and started like experimenting with the way that I express myself and now I'm still on that track of like dressing a certain way one day versus another day I think it's important to remember that it is fluid for a reason and it's all it's probably always going to go back and forth and if it's mainly on the masculine side and being very rarely non-binary is something I struggle with as well. It's like presenting on the pretty masculine side of things. But I don't think you should feel nervous about being active in the community. I think the thing about the queer community is that there's like space for everyone. Like there's never going to be a point where a certain community doesn't accept you because of the way that you look. I think gender has so much to do with how you feel on the inside versus the way that you express yourself on the outside. I know so many feminine presenting people who use they, them pronouns. I know so many masculine presenting people who use she, her pronouns. I mean, it really does depend. I think gender has so much to do with internal emotion and expression. And I'm still educating myself and I'm still learning. I really only like the term non-binary for myself because it's like non, it's like not something. It's not very feminine. It's not very masculine. It's somewhere in the middle. So I'm still, kind of mentally defining the difference between gender fluidity and non-binary. So I think it's all under a pretty lenient umbrella depending on how a term makes you feel. And I also think this is something very interesting in terms of labels because I didn't have this many labels. Like I didn't have access to this much terminology growing up and figuring out my gender. And so I know all these labels can kind of overlap like pansexuality versus bisexuality, what that means to different people. I think your label should just feel the most comfortable to you. And I think it should make the most sense to you. And that is it. Like it doesn't have to make sense to anybody else. It just depends on how you feel. I promise next episode has so much of a happier ending with so much love for you guys. And thank you so much for tuning in to this very special episode. And if you are interested in finding me absolutely anywhere under the surface of the sun, 
you can find me anywhere at Maddie Westbrook at Westbrook. Come back next week for a brand new episode where I'll talk about moving to LA and how I finally came to embrace my identity today. Don't forget to follow, rate, and review Closet Talk wherever you get your podcasts. There are new episodes of Closet Talk every single Friday, and I will see you next week.